Looking back on 25 years of bivocational ministry, this is the topic of today's ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. We're so privileged to have today uh, Pastor Dr. Dale Seaman with us. Dale, welcome. Thank you. Pastor Seaman labors and does, still does 28 years of Calvary Baptist Church in Porterville, California. And this podcast came to me as a reference from a listener who said that, uh, Dale, he said you'd be a great guy to interview because you could encourage okay. many. So I <laughs> hope that that's not putting a burden on you. But obviously, your life has been an encouragement to the fellow that wrote this in. So I, I appreciate him. So kind of where we're going for our listeners, Dale, you pastor there in California. You've written a book, How to Kill 12 Birds with One Stone, Help for the Working Pastor. So for our audience sake, fill us in a little bit about your ministry and then California, many needy areas, and then we'll get into the bivocational ministry. But a little bit about you, yourself, your family, your ministry. Okay. Well, I grew up in a pastor's home and had the opportunity to learn at my dad's feet. I'm the oldest of five. In fact, I had the opportunity after working as a youth pastor in Sacramento to go and work with my dad for four years. And then we were six years in Indiana as an assistant. Then the Lord just changed my heart that it was time for me to become a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And so we moved back. The Lord brought us back to California and had a short term for our first church, a year and a half. But the man who had pastored that church twice was pastoring another small church uh, about seven miles away. And he wanted to retire. So he asked me to come and and they called us with a hundred percent vote. And we've been there 28 years now, my wife, Jane, and I have, we have three sons, Joshua, Timothy, and Philip. There will be this year 36, 38, and 40. Wow. And I have three grandsons, and that's that's when the excitement really comes in. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> exactly. All right, so now here are the first two points I want to cover. First, the why of bivocational pastoring. Some people now call it co-vocational. Um, right. But first the right. why, and then the how-to. Well, as I mentioned in my book, this was not something I was looking to get into. We had taken the church that had about 40 people, and then six families moved out of state. <laughs> the, the pastor said, this church is ready to go, and I didn't ask him what he meant by go. <laughs> now I know better. But uh, but we had some churches that kind of helped support us. The church that I've been in before in Indiana, my dad's church, and then my brother's church in Tennessee. And uh, But we were getting along. It was a struggle at times. But then uh, we had a pastor in the church who had been uh, pastoring south of us and went into evangelism and and joined our church. And Mm -hmm. he was substitute teaching. And he said, you know, you ought to check into subbing. And so I Mm -hmm. thought, well, I'll just call. And I called the school, the high school, where my boys, my oldest son was just getting ready to attend. And they called me back. Two of their administrators called me back that day and said, yes, we're interested. Wow. And so they worked with me and then got me into it. And it really shouldn't be a surprise because my dad actually was bivocational when he planted a church up in Fortuna, California. Mm. And uh, he taught uh, high school and went to uh, Humboldt State College and got his lifetime teaching credential, plus started a church and then built a church building also. Wow. All right. So the whys, that's the history. So it's great history. Right. You grew up in this. but. Tell me, if someone's considered, what are the whys? Why should somebody consider this? 
Well, there's a number of things. That's why I called it How to Kill 12 Birds with One Stone. But the two main areas that I see, of course, is to help out with the finances. Mm -hmm. Uh, It helps not just you, but it helps the church also because it takes some pressure off of them because they know what you need to take to get in order to survive. And and sometimes you can be a burden on the church. But also it opens the door for contacts with other people in the community. I've had, in fact, we have folks in our church that I first contacted when I was teaching. So uh, more and more, in fact, some churches are intentionally hiring guys on part-time to be bivocational. Yes, they I are. just, uh, in fact, this week I'm, I'm talking, in fact, I gave them, all of them got my book. One of them got it from somebody else, but then um, one of them emailed me and asked for it. Uh, there's four guys that are starting a church up in Reno, hmm. and they're going to all be bivocational. And so it's a great opportunity to use this. The problem is sometimes people view it as a second-class pastor. Right. That you're, it's like it's like when you're a youth pastor. When are you going to become a real pastor? Right. Yeah. And when you're when you're bivocational. But the reality is, it in fact, I I really wrote the book to encourage young men who are going out to plant churches to consider going into the community and getting a job, and then finding support, and then also meeting people in the community on a daily basis. I think what you're talking about is doing this intentionally instead of simply as a a must. And I think that's where this term co-vocational has come from. Just like you said, there's a whole new mindset to this. So instead of bivocational or co-vocational, we're always going to do this as meeting people in the community. And just like you said, so many other advantages to this. What other whys? What else do you have there as far as why we should do this? Obviously, there are small churches in the West where this will be a lifestyle for the person, right? Well, you you know, you say this is something new, but the reality is that most men before World War II were bivocational. Okay. Uh, This is kind of a new thought that happened because of all the men that came back from the war, and then we were in a prosperous era. And really, it used to be, you know, back to the old circuit rider, they would have two yeah. or three churches they would minister to. So true. But um, but it does help keep you in touch with the real world, too. I, I, when I come back to the church, and uh, they know I've been on a high school campus all day, they know that I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the, the young people we have at the church, they look forward to They always ask me on Sunday if I'm going to be in one of their classes that week, sometimes to avoid it, sometimes to look forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> All right, now tell, tell the, our audience your Friday night routine. What would that be in the community during the football games? Well, I started keeping the clock for the home games at the high school that my boys went to. In fact, uh, one of my sons is a coach there now. Yeah, in the public, so, in the uh, public high school. Public high school, right. yes. yes. They, all three of my boys went to public high school, and they went on to Maranatha after that. But they asked me to help with the clock, and I started doing that. And so every Friday night uh, for the home games, I'm up in the booth running the clock and, and visiting with people. And uh, it's also one of the schools that I substitute teach at, and so there's a connection there. And so it's a great opportunity. In fact, the, the young man who is now currently the announcer who works next to me, I've had an opportunity. He was our neighbor and was one of my boys' classmates, and we've had a chance to uh, – he got very sick and went in the hospital. and and went by and prayed with him, and he appreciated that. And just a great opportunity to interact with him Amen. Uh, on those nights, even mm-hmm. as we're doing the games. But just being there, just being in the football mm-hmm. stadium amongst the community on Friday nights is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And just go a little bit further on the the blessings of the why on the financial stability. You mentioned it, but would you just go a little bit further maybe on the, sure. the pastor's financial stability with his home and maybe a little bit about the church? 
Right. Well, with the fact, of course, that you are able to do a little bit more, you're able to help your family more. You know, uh, we're called to the ministry. Our families aren't always called to the ministry, especially our children. And so uh, being able to help them out. And then um, it gives you like some pastors do it to get good health insurance. I didn't do it in this case, but some do for that because Mm -hmm. you can, with that second job, get health insurance, whereas sometimes churches can't afford to pay for it for you. It gives you a freedom also that you can preach whatever the Lord leaves on your heart to preach. We had a church down the street from us that is no longer in existence now, and 10 of their pastors, in fact, came up to our church, and we helped them get back in the ministry again. But they paid everything for the pastor, and when the pastor didn't do what they wanted him to do, they'd just pull that payment back. And so consequently, you'd you'd hate to see a church that would do that. But when the pastor has his income, and and there's going to be low times in a church, too, of the finances. And, and the reason why we've been able to stay at Calvary for 28 years is because we've had a little extra income to help us through those low times. Mm-hmm. One of the ladies in the church in a business meeting, in fact, asked me one time, she says, now, what do you do with all the extra money? <laughs> and uh, what was your reply? I, oh, the Lord blessed and gave me a great answer. I said, well, you know, the Lord always seems to know when we're going to need what we're going to need. Uh-huh. And so he provides exactly when we need what we need. Wow. And uh, she was satisfied with that. And that's been a good answer for folks when they ask about all the income that I'm making. <laughs> Great answer. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the how-tos. So we know you've already mentioned you're a public school teacher. Mm-hmm. Tell us in a intentional job working alongside as you're being a pastor, uh, the how-tos of, of getting that type of job. Sure. Well, number one, and and I stated this in the book too, number one, it has to be the Lord's leading in your life. My life verse now is I being in the way the Lord led me as uh, Abraham's servant went for a a bride for Isaac. But it's just been one step at a time where the Lord has opened doors and then we've had the grace to be able to walk through those doors. But I've been in the school system so long that I can go in now and I can pick and choose the days I want, which is you want a job that's flexible. Uh, I know some friends that work an eight to five job and that's really difficult. I'm able to go in with my laptop, get the class going, and then I can work on my messages or whatever else I need to work on, uh, along with just keeping an eye, of course, on the students and that. And I know Mm -hmm. some guys work jobs in, in motels. I know a friend that works security. And so it's got to be something, though, that is flexible. For instance, I have an agreement with the district that if something comes up, if someone calls me with a need, I can call the office and they can get another teacher in there and I can leave, which I've had to do a few Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Now, also, you have been, this for our listeners' sake, you have been substitute teaching in the same district for how many years? 25. All right. So the advantages of that are multiple, but one of them would be they know you, they know your schedule, they know you're a hard worker. Right. And, and that also gives credibility when something comes up. Yes. They, they called me, in fact, the first day of the year a couple of years ago, first day of school, and said, how soon can you get here? And I said, well, I'll be there in about 15 minutes. And I got there, and the teacher that uh, I was coming in for was a believer. He and I had visited before, but he had stage four cancer. Mm. And he was trying to get one more year in, and he just couldn't make it. And so I ended up on a long-term sub. In fact, he passed away during that time. Mm. Uh, But the Lord opened the door to minister to these hurting young people. In fact, the counselor came in to talk to one of the classes that was his main class that he'd been working with. And she was having a terrible time all over the place. So I just felt led uh, the Lord to go ahead and uh, kind of jump in a little bit and encourage the kids and say, you know, you know my second job, because that's, that's one thing I can do there is, when the kids ask me, for instance, how come you're not a full-time teacher? Then I go ahead and tell them, well, this is my second job. And of course, they always want to know what my first job is. Sure. 
And so they knew I was a pastor. And I said, you know, he had a uh, relationship with the Lord. And so he's not having any more pain or suffering. And he would want you to follow his example and move on. And, and, and she thanked me afterwards. She said, oh, thank you so much for stepping in. Right. And so I've and, had counselors tell me, hey, that young person's having problems. You need to talk to them. You need to invite them to your church. I've had some men say, how can you work in the government schools? And I said, well, that's where the Lord put me. And there's been an open door of ministry. Right. In fact, now we're really not doing it so much for the income. In fact, I may be single vocation this next year. With, <laughs> with the, COVID, uh, yeah. With, exactly. In fact, two of my boys are teachers now. And my one son's a teacher over in Phoenix. And he said, well, you'll either have no work or a whole lot of work. Because mm -hmm. when they do start back to school, the older teachers aren't going to want to be in the classrooms. Yeah. Because I'm older, but I can still go. <laughs> I'm still not concerned. Sure. I think the Lord's going to take care of me. Sure. Okay, so now in your book, about page 31, if our listeners get a copy, you do list several burdens of bivocational ministry. Would you just comment on a couple of those burdens, especially I'm going for the pastor as well as his wife who may be listening, and yes, they may be yes. thinking bivocational. So, uh, Dale, talk to us a couple of burdens there. Well, one thing, and in fact, it was interesting, we were talking in a meeting here at Ironwood yesterday, and one of the things is you might not be creative as you would like to be. You have so much creative ability, and sometimes when you're when you're having to do a little extra, a little bit more, it's hard to be creative to really think about. Of course, sometimes if you're not bivocational, you get too creative and overburden your people too. So, yeah. but then you can get isolated from other pastors and ministries when they have meetings and stuff. Now, I try to schedule so that I'm free on the days they have meetings, so I can be there. But that's not always a possibility. Hmm. And then it's easy to get burned out if you're not careful, especially. The one danger is that your second job can become your first job, that you start concentrating. And I've seen some pastors leave the ministry because of their first job. And I have to be careful how many days, in fact, that I'll take so that I'm not getting too concentrated with that. For my wife now, you have to have patience. In fact, uh, I know, Marshall, you're familiar. My wife is in the yeah. early stages of dementia. So I'm really developing patience now because she asked mm -hmm. me the same questions and I have not been known as a patient person, but but the Lord's giving it to me, so praise the Lord for that. But uh, you, do, you do lack time sometimes, and sometimes when you're pushing too hard, you can lack patience with your family. And, and then with the church, sometimes you can accept mediocrity. One of the books I came across early in, in ministry, our very first ministry, was called Jericho Wall by Paul Bubar. And it points out that I was working in a school and church, and he says the school demands daily attention. Mm -hmm. I was working in a Christian school at that time. And the church, sad to say, things can slide until all of a sudden it becomes very apparent that that you're not doing the best job for the church. Right. And so with the family, you really have to concentrate, too. Now, with the extra income, it makes it nice because you can do some things with the family. When you take three boys out, three teenage boys to eat, you're going to put down some money in that process. So, And I used to struggle sometimes. I know my dad did the same thing that man, how much this is costing us. But now I can just say, hey, this is just one day of subbing. And even the boys know, hey, this is because dad subs, we get to go out to eat. So you take the negative and make it a positive. All right. So now there are certain jobs that may bring greater burdens than others, such as yes. sales jobs mm -hmm. or multi-level marketing. Or would you right. just take a minute and comment on the, what those two Yeah, avoid? the sad thing is, I mean, our church members, we actually vote every year. We just did it last Sunday night on me subbing. Because I want the church to feel like they, if they feel like that it's becoming a hindrance, then they can shut it down. And, right. And, of course, they've seen the benefits of it now. It's pretty pretty given that, oh, yeah, we want pastor to sub. But you can get to the point where it saps your energy and it takes 
things away from the church. And so you have to be real care. And the sales, the multi-level sales, of course, the problem with that is many times you end up selling to your people. Right. And, and they're, they're feeling guilty, so they want to help you as much as possible and may get themselves into a financial position that's not healthy. And so you have to avoid those kinds of jobs. All right, so let's switch to the other side. You also mentioned a lot of advantages of a smaller church. Well, Page 53 of your book, you list several there. So discuss what you have found. You know, as everybody thinks, oh, the bigger the ministry, the better. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, I, I worked in three churches as an assistant that were pretty large, and so now I've been in two smaller churches. Even right now, we're able to open up during the pandemic, and the larger churches have a harder time doing mm. that. It's been a blessing to look across the street and see the Catholics not able to meet <laughs> right now. And there's a personal touch. You know, you get to a certain level and you lose touch. In fact, I read a while back that when you get so big, it's not shepherding anymore, it's hurting. Mm -hmm. So you can be personal, more flexible, but you have to learn to build from what you have. Sometimes I'm afraid we look at larger churches and want to have what they have, and you're not going to have that. But instead of building, trying to build your negatives, build your positives. There we go. The uh, Lord has blessed us and brought some folks in with musical talent, so we built on that. I, mm -hmm. But when I came to the church, we didn't even have a choir, and um, so I just tried to emphasize the preaching, tried to make sure that it was solid and biblically based. It was meeting the people and challenging them, and then we built off of that. And so now we have a, a pretty good music program, and we've had some other ministries that the Lord has used. But you'll go through seasons, and the key thing is just simply to be faithful to the Lord and to the people that, that He's blessed you with. Amen. Now, three more things I want to cover. Number one, unexpected blessings. So as you go down this road, you saw somewhat in your dad's life, you know, you've been doing this 25 years, but mm -hmm. blessings that came that you had no idea about before you entered the bivocational world. What would some of those be? Well, you're, you're able to do some things you never thought possible. We've been able to do some traveling. You're able to bless others, too. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a ministry out here at Ironwood we put on called— So Ironwood the, is um, Camp Ironwood in California, yes, right? Camp, okay. Yes, sorry. Camp Ironwood, where I am right now, actually. Right. And we have a Yoke Bearers conference that we host. We invite pastors to come in with their, with their wives and just take a week away out here in the desert. And they have a beautiful facility called the Hacienda. And I take some of my money from my schooling to pay for that week for the pastors. And my wife huh. and I host them for that week, so— that's been the challenge is getting pastors to take the week off and come out here. <laughs> but uh, so we have that set up about twice a year, or we can do more if pastors contact me. Now we're able to see people from the workplace. You know, I have, in fact, it's funny around town, even now that I'll have cashiers say, no, aren't you a teacher? And uh, of course, then I really let him have it. I said, yeah, I, I am a substitute teacher. I said, what school did you go to? And they said, oh, yeah, okay. I said, well, actually, I pastor a church. Oh, what church? And then I can tell them and yeah. invite them to come and usually give them one of my cards. And then, of course, the one thing I mentioned before, able to weather the storms. Right. You know, you, you go through storms in church life. We've had a merge and then an anti-merge and a few <laughs> other things. But the Lord enabled us to get through the storms because of the extra income and the support. And then the people also knowing that you're doing everything you can to stay there. Well, yeah, that's good. And they can't accuse you of not working, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're sensitive that. And, you know, the nice thing about the schoolwork is I, I just schedule all my visits after 3.30 when school right. gets over. Good. And, uh, yeah. and the folks, will, they work with me on that. Yeah, so I guess school teaching does give you definite hours. So it's not like, yes. okay, that's another advantage. Mm -hmm. Okay, unexpected mm -hmm. challenges. All right, so we, we heard the blessings that came, mm -hmm. but now challenges that you or your wife were not anticipating. What would one or two of those be? 
Well, I, I anticipate this because I grew up in the ministry with my dad, but there are church members who don't understand it or appreciate mm. it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few, like I say, our people, initially there was some resistance. Uh, some of the people had had a previous pastor in another church that had left the ministry to start teaching in a Christian school. And so that caused them some concern. But when they saw the product, that kind of worked that out. Now, one of the challenges, though, is to establish margins. And this is something I came across uh, years back. All right, so this goes along with books. That, that goes along with burnout, right? Because you mentioned earlier, yes. you got to be careful. Yes. Sorry. So with the sure. subject of burnout and unexpected challenges, you just mentioned before I cut you off, you mentioned the word yes. margins. Okay. So Dale, pick up, yeah. with that, pick up with that and explain what you mean. Great, great principle. I, I used to set up my whole schedule for the day and I'd be rushing around trying to get stuff done. And, and then I'd be frustrated at the end of the day because I didn't get everything done because things would come up. And then I, I started realizing I need to, you know, whatever I get done is what God wants me to get done if mm-hmm. I've been faithful. But if you'll establish margins, periods of time that you set aside and said, okay, now I, I know I'm going to need X amount, but I'll put a little extra on there. And so you're not having to rush. You're not having to push yourself. And one of the big margins is just your own physical abilities. Yeah. I've, I've learned because I have a hereditary condition that in can't push myself too hard. Or I'll end up in the hospital. It happened to me twice in my first year of youth ministry. And I learned, I said, okay, learn to pace yourself, have margins. If I, I have a recliner in my office, if I start struggling, I'll just say, okay, wait, we're taking a, because I traveled on Bible time too. And I learned about Bible time five, where you just stretch out for five minutes yeah. and get back up and get going. But you cannot continue to operate the edge of your ability. Eventually you're going to collapse. Yeah, sure. now. Mm-hmm. All right. So now with all this being said, the last question, actually two questions, but if you're looking back now, 28 years of ministry, 25 years as a pastor and public school substitute teacher, what would be one thing you would do differently? Well, actually, my ministry goes back 42 years. So <laughs> right. going back to the very beginning, there's a lot of things I would do differently. Mm-hmm. I was in youth ministry for 12 years. And I think the greatest thing that the Lord has really working in my heart on is learning to trust him in a greater way and not depend upon my own strength as much. You know, it's, it's easy to do things and you're doing the right thing for the right reason, but you can be doing them in the flesh. Right. And eventually that's going to run out. And plus the flesh produces the flesh. But if we're trusting him and seeing, saying, okay, Lord, is this the step you want to take? And following his leading, I being in the way, the Lord led me. And and be in the right way, doing the right things, and then let God lead and direct you in those things. All right. So would you be willing to give out your email address? Because I'm sure there are people listening that, especially with so many churches right now that I know of that uh, need a Bible vocational pastor. And we're kind of putting out a plea for men to consider this. Uh, you know, sure, as we I mean, visit. I, so what yeah. is your email address, Dale? It is CVC, like Calvary Baptist Church, Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N, at A-T-T dot net. Okay, CVC is in Calvary Baptist Church, Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N, at A-T-T dot net. That's okay. correct. Now, okay. one last word you'd like to give. What would it be? Be open. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Be, be open to what God wants to do, because I've been having some great conversations out here, even at camp, with a lot of guys that are really looking into bivocational ministry. And it's an open door of opportunity. And so many times I'm afraid you, you go into a situation and a man's trying to get people, and he, it's like you're out hunting people. It's like I actually had one man whose church was struggling, 
contact the fellow group of pastors and say, listen, I just need three more families to make our church go. And of course, obviously his church didn't go because if you're trying to get people yeah. to make your church go, you're missing the whole point right. of why we're trying to reach a lost and dying world. Right. And so uh, be open to the Lord's leading in your life and whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. Okay, so invite our listeners, if you're in California, look up Porterville, Calvary Baptist Church, drop by and see the Siemens. Dale, you've been a great blessing. We'll be praying for you and as you care for your wife during the next chapter of your ministry. But I greatly appreciate, again, the name of the book you can get, and just, then you can read it over and over and over, How to Kill 12 Birds with One Stone. The subtitle is Help for the Working Pastor. And you can get that on Amazon or other uh, places there on the web. You can find that. So, Dale, thanks mm-hmm. for taking the time to write the book and appreciate your labor for the Lord. And, we'll, again, we'll be praying for you as you minister not only to your church, but more importantly to your wife during this season. Yes. Thank you, Marshall. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.